Welcome to the Insights to Impact podcast series, a series of discussions detailing the insights that 2020 taught optometry and how those insights translate to actions that are having a positive impact on the profession. Insights to Impact is presented by Review of Optometric Business and sponsored by Care Credit. I'm Dr. Mark Wright, professional editor of Review of Optometric Business, and I'm here with Dr. Matthew Ward, who's going to help us power the growth of our medical eye care services. Dr. Ward, please share with us how to create a practice that can withstand marketplace challenges. Yes, thank you, Dr. Wright, for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. Just real quick again, Matthew Ward with Valley Eye Clinic in West Des Moines, Iowa. Wanted to throw out there right away, uh, as we mentioned in the article that goes well with these podcasts, is that I remember very early on in Dr. Mark Wright's optometric business course that I took with him at Ohio State uh, almost a decade ago. Even then, um, it was very clear that we as optometrists were graduating and entering into a field where industry challenges and online purchases were already already out and about mortar brick stores with corporate competitors for some of us going into private practice. And so that's been a fantastic question for a long time, I think. And those either whether an optometrist is graduating this year or they've been in the industry for 10, 20, 30 years, uh, the the market is the same for all of us in that there's a lot more competition. And uh, if you take vision insurance with what that's changing, um, I think it's a very good question to answer. And so I think it's something everybody should ponder. My, my simple answer is, and I always say this too, I stand on the shoulders of giants in our industry. I, I've always loved hearing what optometrists that are doing well are doing um, from East Coast to West Coast here, reaching out to them, emailing, contacting them. And, and the answer, once I finally get to the answer here, is that, yeah, what what are you doing in your practice, doctor, that is separating you from really anybody else in your community um, or within within the closest 20 eye doctors, 20 optometrists in your area, what are, what are you doing? Uh, and that's a simple place to start. I'll, I'll say I expanded myself personally, our view. I'm in Iowa, as I said, and I told myself I want to do things in Iowa that nobody else is doing. Um, and one of those very first things, what I'm most passionate about and have been for a long time is dry eye care. And so I was uh, one of the first, well, I was the first optometrist or ophthalmologist or primary care doctor, anyone in the state of Iowa to bring on IPL for the treatment of dry eye. I wanted to have a technology that uh, could really bolster our medical eye care and it has uh, over the last three and a half years that I've had that unit. And I was doing some other care with other units before that. Some of your meibomian gland expressing devices. I won't use any specific names, but those have been out for a while. Um, I've gotten to the point over three years where I have patients coming from two and a half hours away. Uh, I uh, know my colleagues throughout the state know what we're doing. Um, and again, everything I've done, I've just talked to doctors. I, I can think of a doctor in Arizona. I can think of a doctor in Seattle who are doing these treatments. I reached out to them. I called them. I scheduled lunches with people, even local, just to say, what, what are you doing? Um, and that was a big one. So, so finding a service that maybe nobody else provides, maybe it's a patient pay only, uh, maybe you can capitalize on the medical portions, uh, but the procedures themselves are, are out of pocket. Um, I think even again, 10 years ago, that was recommended. So whether it's BV, whether it's sports vision, 
Um, and again, I don't think I'm saying anything new here, but find something that you're passionate about. Do it better than anybody else. Eat, sleep, and breathe it. Research it. Tell your colleagues that you have it. And of course, yes, look at the financial model if it makes sense for you in your community. It's been interesting to me that uh, ocular surface disease has really been, uh, I'd say in the last five to 10 years, has, has really grown in prominence. And, and if you really think about it, the tears are the first refracting surface for the ocular refractive system. So if the tears aren't working the way they're supposed to work, that's going to throw a, a wrench in the clear vision that a patient potentially could have. So getting into that area of care, I think, is an important one for uh, patient performance in life. It's a, it's a big one. And if we think about moving from there into growing that opportunity for enhanced care, tell us how you did that. Sure. Um, so as I said, I, I was watching... Uh, you know, I'll say some names here that anybody who follows anything dry eye knows. Carpecki, Epstein, Perryman, Sint, um, Blackie, Korb. I mean, you, all these doctors have been doing this for decades before I did. Um, but I really started just eating up the research. I saw at least where I was in, in Iowa here that nobody was doing um, IPL. Not many people were doing, you know, Lipaflow came out a few years ago and Ilux and Mibaflow and Tear Care. And now that... Uh, low-level light treatments. I mean, you, you, this stuff is out there. And I said, nobody is doing this in my area. And I don't know if it's just because nobody knows about it or the investment. Um, but as I said, I was passionate enough about it that I said, hey, I can really capitalize on this, as I said. And so I, I, I took out the loans to get the units. Um, and that's never fun when you have to sign your name on that. But again, I, I had no doubt in my mind that the growth potential was there. And so then I started writing letters to my colleagues. Hey, I have this now. If you've treated your patient for ocular surface disease for X amount of years and you're just not getting any success any further, I'm more than happy to participate in that or help you with that. Um, I approached all the local MDs. And I'll just say, at least in our area, a lot of the MDs uh, are, are liking surgery and disease. And so they they don't really like dealing with ocular service disease. And so I'm happy to take those on. I have a very, very good local MD. He does all my cataract surgeries that he loves sending patients to me because the honest truth is he knows he gets maybe six minutes with that patient. And those of us who know about MGD and ocular surface disease, to try to do that in six minutes is, is really difficult. So I will often spend over a half hour with these patients, um, educating them on why they need treatment. And often they know they need treatment, but they are so thankful that someone's taken the time. And then, uh, you know, you, you're, you go into your services. As you said, building medical, you say, this is what we need to do. And maybe your procedures are $500, $1,000, $2,000, whatever it is. Um, and I'll say again, in, in a lot of ocular surface disease, so most of that is out of pocket. Um, you present it to the patient. You've taken the time to educate them on why they need it. They're miserable already anyway. Uh, and and it, it just works really well. And as I said, over, over three years of doing that, constantly reminding your colleagues, sending them letters when you see their patients. So you can say, hey, look, I saw one of your patients. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do. Official letterhead. Thank you for you know allowing me to participate in so and so's care. Here's the notes that I found. That communication is good, and you very quickly establish yourself as kind of a leader in the area. I noticed uh, in your article you talked about people driving from two to three hours away for your services, and, and more often than not, they had just googled uh, dry eye or headache glasses, 
and and your website popped up at the top, I I think you're on to something that's very important, and that is establishing practice differentiators. Why should a patient come to your practice rather than another practice, either closer to home or just down the street? So tell us how to establish practice differentiators. Um, you know, when I when I think of that, as I said, I, I think getting the information out there is key, whether it's on your website, word of mouth. Um, I know I keep going back to ocular surface disease because that is my passion. Yes, we do have some of those other devices. You mentioned glasses, headaches, you know, neural lens is a great thing. Uh, once again, if you do BV, that's a great thing. Um, but yeah, setting yourself apart, making sure the data is known, constant communication with your patient base, whether you use some sort of software platform like Demand Force or Solution Reach or Weave or, or whatever you use, uh, constant communication that way. And, and if I may, I, I have just found again that speaking to colleagues in my area um, has been the number one referral source. Uh, just because often some doctors either don't want to deal with ocular surface disease or the MDs have tried everything and, and they just need someone to refer to. Um, but but, you, but you, you wear it loud and proud. Wear it on your sleeve. Let people know you do it. Have reading material in the office. Have it on your website. Uh, as you said, just having that website. And I, I don't know enough about search engine optimization, but uh, that's why I work with great people who do, who constantly say adding good organic content to your website, blog, YouTube videos, lot Facebook Live, um, get, gets you out there in front of your potential patients. One of the things I hear marketing people say is only 50% of the dollars that are spent in marketing are effective. Um, that seems to me to be a really low number and we should, we should shoot for something better and higher. So how do you measure the effectiveness of your marketing in your practice? Yeah, thank you. I, I've, I've worked with consultants like yourself, and that can be one option, you know, just really checking the books as you go. I think I learned early on, you know, new OD, I thought, okay, yeah, I need to get out there. And I, I spent some money, you know, on certain services. And if a patient were to come in back to my ocular surface disease, you know, I'd say, well, how did you hear about us? And I very early found that a lot of my external marketing number I would agree that that 50% is, is, was probably even a, a nice conservative number. Um, and so I'm going to answer it this way. I'm just going to simply say I've learned and heard again from others that importance of that internal marketing. So again, I, I'm not a consultant for Solution Reach or anything like that. I have no financial interest, but those, those programs have been absolutely fantastic. Internal marketing, email blasts, word of mouth. I, I am not an expert when it comes to external marketing. I'm sure there's some other colleagues who are great and have a great answer for you, Dr. Wright. Um, but I have just learned that they're, they're, you, you can spend the money uh, and, and you have to track it pretty regularly, maybe use Google ads or things like that. But once again, I have just found physically going out and sitting down with colleagues, whether they're in the ophthalmology or in optometry, that, that has cost, you know, it cost me maybe a lunch to take a surgeon out to lunch if your surgeon's willing to do that, or I'll take lunch in to them. So between patients, you know, I get six minutes with a, with a, an anterior seg specialist. That's great. That's great. But, but I'm in front of that patient. It doesn't take me a lot of time. I do it on my afternoon off. Uh, and I think that goes a long way. And, 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 and just to repeat last thing, really go, going over and over oh, is over. important. You, you made the point that a lot of the services that, uh, um, that patients may get in your practice uh, are sometimes out of pocket and the out of pocket expense may be higher than what they expected to pay when they walked in. 
So how do you help patients pay for the care they need? Yes, thank you. And I think that's a perfect segue here. And, and yes, we we had it such that these are out-of-pocket procedures. And there are some great in-office covered expenses. But as you know, many of these extra services, we put a lot of time and energy and work into it. And yes, to tell a patient, hey, Miss Jones, this, this treatment is going to be $1,500. And no, that is not covered by your insurance. Um, we've gotten to the point where we're very comfortable to before they, you know, say a comment to say that, that may seem like a lot, but let's, let's understand why you need this. But then more specifically, we do have programs in place and my team has taken on care credit as a great way to offer our services to patients so that when a technician takes the patient into the dry eye treatment room, we go right from the eval into the treatment room to say, Mrs. Jones, you know, Dr. Ward has determined that this is the package that's going to help treat your ocular surface disease and here's the price. And so they go into the specifics on care credit. More often than not, the patient hasn't heard of it, but we're able to say, have you heard of care credit? And then my team takes the time to give a simple spiel. That's really quite simple. And I think care credit's done a great job at getting themselves out in the industry. Um, I, I have a colleague in the chiropractic world and they, they rely, I want to say rely heavily on care credit, but they use it quite often for a patient to, to purchase a $3,000 or $4,000 annual chiropractor package. Uh, a lot of them are using care credit. And so I kind of got some insight from him and, and we use it quite often. You hand them the information. It takes a very short amount of time for the patient to receive approval online. Uh, my staff helps that along the way. And so we've been very happy to provide that to patients and had some very happy patients who, who at first might've thought they wouldn't be able to afford this um, that through care credit, we were able to provide the patient with the care that they need. You can have the best treatment plan on the planet. And if the patient doesn't get it, if the patient doesn't engage with the treatment plan, then it really doesn't help the patient at all to have a higher quality of life. So helping the patient pay for the care they need, I think is essential to us as doctors to make sure that our treatment plans are actually getting implemented and moving the patient to a better place in life. We'd like to thank you, Dr. Ward, for sharing your insights on this topic today. And thank you, our audience, for listening. This podcast and future podcasts in the Insights to Impact series will be available on demand on Review of Optometric Business's podcast channel at reviewob.com. We would like to thank our sponsor for this series, Care Credit.